Today we're going to look at three different truths. So let's go back to Book of Philippians. There's our logo. Thank you for, to the Smites for that. Uh, let's go back to verses 1 and 2. So here's the introduction. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, a simple truth, but it's an important truth. As Jesus builds his church, one of the things that you can see even in the early church that there was structure in place, okay? Paul begins his letter by welcoming them, but he says, with the overseers and with the deacons. So sometimes there's this idea that within the New Testament church that there were these little homes that were full of people on a Sunday morning. So there were these church homes and people were just kind of hanging out in their lazy boy recliners and there was no structure involved. It is true that there were many home churches. You can see that all throughout the Word of God. In particular, you can see it in the book of Acts. But what we fail to, to realize sometimes is, is even from the beginning, with Jesus Christ being the head of the church, right, there was structure that goes along with that. First Corinthians says that God is a God of order, and there were certain gifts and abilities that he gave for, to different people that make up what we call the body of Christ. And it's true for us here today as well. So it could be from people that had the ability to play a keyboard, you know, or play the cajon, or play the bass, or, or sing. Those are gifts that you've been given, so you come in and you contribute. It wouldn't be order if we said, okay, hey, it's time for us to get started. Um, Evan, you want to come up and lead worship this morning? That would be really, really bad. I can promise you, okay? So there's no order there. So from the beginning, God gives us structure and he gives us order. So we're not going to spend a lot of time in that, but if you want to really jump into it, I can encourage you to go look at 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 because you can see the bigger picture of the various gifts and the fact that there needs to be order. But today, we want to look at these two positions, the positions of elders and deacons briefly, and we'll spend more time on deacons. Now, overseer, let's start there. Okay, so an, an overseer, giving you a little bit of background, in Titus chapter 1, we see Paul and he reminds Titus that his mission as you go into these towns is to appoint elders in every town. Okay, now I have a word here that I was going to pronounce, try to pronounce in the Greek. I was going to do that. However, there were some shenanigans this past week and I got a phone call or a Marco Polo with Sam Adams' Wednesday night community group, and they weren't kind, they weren't loving by any stretch of the imagination, and these six arrogant Latin students who had studied Latin made sure to let me know that I had mispronounced Imago Dei several times incorrectly last week. So anyway, I shan't go there this morning, but there is a word. Okay, so this word overseer, um, it means a bishop, or it's a pastor, or we see it as um, an elder. It's, 
this word that we're using this morning, okay, this, this elder word, you know, and this overseer, they're used interchangeably. So in Titus 1, it says elders. Here it says um, overseer. But we believe at Redstone Church that there's a plurality of elders that provide oversight for the church. We actually think that it's unhealthy as a church continues to grow to only have one elder, Okay, so only one pastor. So we actually want to have multiple shepherds because as the church grows, like as Sam and I have even done right now, we're right now the two elders, we have the church split up into two groups to ensure that we're loving, praying, caring for, shepherding the people that have been assigned to us. But as the church continues to grow, we need to make sure that there aren't too many people because there will be needs within the body. Not only that, I think that this is maybe me stepping outside of the pulpit because I don't know that I can back this up scripturally, but I think it might be even not wise to um, only have one pastor for the sake of you're only hearing one voice, you know, every single sermon. And this is the person that can actually exercise maybe too much control in the life of the church. And I don't even trust my own ego. You know, so I want to have as, mu- as many men speaking into my life as possible. So we do believe in a plurality of elders. So 1 Peter 5.2 says it this way. It says that the elders are shepherding the flock of God that is among you. So there's this shepherding. And then it goes on to say those that are in your charge. And that's how we've separated even this group up into two different groups. Okay. So the qualifications for an elder, if you want to look this up, it's in 1 Timothy 3. You can read those qualifications and it's in Titus chapter 1. So even if someone is qualified to be an elder or to be an overseer, the word of God says that they must also aspire to this position. So this is where you would look at yourself and say, am I praying for these people already? You know, are they already in my heart? Am I already spending time, you know, having coffees with individuals and my burden for the needs of the people of the church? Has the Lord already put that in my heart? So this next step into maybe an overseer or an elder position is just consistent with the work that God has already done in my heart. You know, and I can look at several churches that have people that are elders that this position is really not even in their heart. Okay, they're doing it because they've got a business background or whatever, and there was a need, so they invited them to be a part of the church and to be an elder. That's not what we want, and we won't have that happen at Redstone Elizabeth, and um, I pray that it does not. We want the people that step into this overseer or this elder position to be people that God has prepared for such a position. Okay, enough on elders. Let's then go on to deacons. So, diakonos, I hope that I pronounced that correctly. The word means a servant or a helper, and if I did not pronounce it correctly, I'm sure that they will let me know later this week sometime. This is someone who has a heart to be behind the scenes serving the church in specific areas, okay? This allows the elders and the overseers uh, to govern the church and the other things that need to be done behind the scenes, they are giving their attention to. Okay, so many of us grew up in churches where deacons and deacon boards 
you know, ran the church, and this would be people that would hire and fire, you know, pastors, or that would just make executive decisions. We just don't think that that's consistent with what we see in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1. We feel that the word just means servant, okay, and that elders are the overseers or, or are the shepherds, okay? Like I said before, um, a deacon is a servant. They're behind the scenes, and they're getting things done. It's in their DNA to serve, or it might be that the spiritual gift that the Lord gave them once they came to Christ was one of helps and of service. So an example would be maybe a deacon of hospitality. These are just examples, you know, overseeing welcoming and follow-up with visitors and... Um, coffee and those kinds of things so i could see someone just having a heart of hospitality and they do it automatically anyway and the elders recognize that and we say wow look at so and so they've really got a heart for hospitality let's begin to pay attention to that and then maybe dig into their life and then go look at the qualifications and sit down with them with the qualifications to see if they are qualified. And then we'll see in this passage I'm getting ready to read in a moment that there's this season of testing that would take place, and that's where your deacons are going to come from, okay? The one thing that you won't see in a deacon is that they're required to be teachers in the church. Now, they may be able to teach, but one of the requirements of eldership is that they actually have the ability to teach, <clears throat> to teach. That may be on a Sunday morning, that may, may be in a small group, that may be in a men's group, that may be in a discipleship group where there's three people having coffee and just walking through doctrines together, but they have this ability to dig into the Word of God and to understand the Word of God and assimilate the Word of God and then take it and present it in ways that people say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay, the deacons aren't required to do that, but they are servants. Okay, so here's our passage. This is 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13 okay we're spending more time on this one this morning because we are going to be appointing our very first deacon at redstone elizabethan today okay so here's our passage you can look this up with me if you would like this is first timothy 3 8 through 13 deacons deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued not addicted to much wine not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons. And if they prove themselves blameless, um, if they, and if they, if they prove themselves blameless, that's the end of the sentence. Um, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, uh, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Having said that, we've looked at this passage, we've discussed it as elders, we've brought Cameron Yarberry into this discussion with our elder team, so we'd like for Cameron and Sam, if you all would, um, to come forward. Are y'all okay with that this morning? Yes, okay, very good. I probably should have already done this a couple of times. Yes, here we go. Okay, Cameron Yarberry. So Cameron, we are inviting to come in, and y'all can stand however you want to. Cameron is stepping into this role of deacon of church operations. Okay, deacon of church operations. So if you know Cameron, 
what we have seen in Cameron from the very beginning before the church even started is that if there was a need, Cameron would observe the need and he would step in and he would try to find a solution to what the need was. Okay, and that wasn't just like a short-term thing. You know, very early on, even before I had officially started as, you know, pastor here, I'm looking at Sam saying, man, I wouldn't be surprised if Cameron Yarberry isn't our first deacon. This guy is a servant. So we've talked with Cameron. We've presented this to the leadership team. Um, we, we asked Cameron to look at this passage with us. We walked through the passage. We talked about the different areas to make sure that there was consistency with his life and what the Word of God uh, says. And then there was this verse number 10. It says, let them be tested first. And this is funny, guys, because we were saying, okay, now Cameron, we need you to step into this this time of testing and we had in our mind what that was going to look like and God said oh y'all don't know but there's a pandemic coming you know called called COVID-19 and that was his season of testing and it was amazing and it wasn't just good that we got stuff done because our office was transformed into a studio it was crazy. There was wires, there was lights, there was just, and he did all of that himself. But not only that, I just remember this one moment, we were doing second floor stories. And this was offline, No, it was just the two of us talking. And he was like, man, I love second floor stories. He said, I think I get as much out of this as I do on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, at the time we were doing it at the office, I'm like, you're taking time on a Tuesday night to come here an hour early to get everything set up and you're staying late and you're doing it with this excitement and this joy. And that's what we've seen in him uh, from the beginning. So, Sam, you're going to present to him a beautiful certificate. Yes. So this certifies that Cameron Yarberry is going to be our very first deacon at Redstone Church. Let's just stop right there and give the guy a round of applause. Can we do so? Okay. So we, we put a microphone in his hands and we just said, just say a few words. So I don't know what you want to share, but if you don't mind, say a few words to us, to the buddy. You know how to use the mic? You need help yeah. back in the back? No, I think I got it. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> no, possibly maybe like the second time I've used a mic at church, though. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I won't, I won't really get into too much. Um, uh, but really, uh, you know, one thing I would want to say is, you know, this church plant, um, you know, the, the Elizabethan church um, has been just an amazing experience, um, you know, for me. Uh, you know, just to see what God is doing, you know, with this body here, with these people here, um, and how he's using these people to reach, you know, the people of Carter County. Um, you know, I, I grew up in church in Carter County, um, you know, and never really thought of, like, a ministry here, um, and, you know, never paid any attention to the people here, um, and, you know, over the last, I guess, about two and a half years now since we started, uh, you know, God's really worked on my heart and worked in my family. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I would say I'm probably a different person now than I was, you know, two, three years ago. Um, you know, God opened my eyes to the people of Carter County, um, you know, showed the need that's there and really put, you know, put in my heart, 
you know, just this caring for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just to have the opportunity to even, you know, be used by God to serve the people of Carter County, you know, has been just an amazing experience. Yeah, well, thank you. So as a deacon of church operations, it's things like, this is just an example, it's things like helping prepare different budget options for the leadership team and the elders to look at. It's things like determining what the, you know, the sound and the, um, the audio uh, needs are. That's the same. Audio and sound are actually the same thing. So I don't expect a phone call from Sam's group this week reminding me of that the the, the video and audio you know needs it's bank accounts it's going through and doing all of the paperwork so that we could be a 501c3 nonprofit, you know organization etc etc it's the stuff that sam and i hate doing you know and cam was like oh i love that stuff you know let me do that for you and it was always no here let me take that and let me do that for you let me go get this and get this for you uh so sam i don't know if you want to say anything but if you know do if you won't but afterwards if you will let's pray um over cameron yeah yeah so there's a couple things um cameron's probably one of the most faithful men i know and he does serve all the time we've known each other since sixth grade many many years but he has grown um tremendously especially the last few years like he said He's probably put in as many hours, if not more, than I have into this church plant. And so we can always depend on him for everything. And so I'm just excited for, for this, for this moment. Um, if you guys will permit me, it's just a few verses. I want to read Acts chapter 6, just a few verses. So it's when the, uh, deacons were first appointed by the apostles, and you'll see that they lay their hands on him and pray for him. So that's what we're going to do um, for Cameron today. So the word of the Lord says, Now in these days when the disciples... So they were disciples before they were called Christians. When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching and the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and a lot of other names I will mispronounce. And then in verse 6, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Hmm. So you see, even in the early church, deacons were appointed because things were not being done, because the, the apostles were focused on the word of God, the preaching and, and prayer, um, and their ministries that got appointed for them. And so they realized they needed man, men um, of good repute, men and women, as we say at Redstone, um, but men and women of good repute and full of faith that can do these things faithfully. So that's what we see in Cameron. Um, so we're going to lay our hands on him. We're going to pray for him, and he's going to continue doing all the amazing things he does behind the scenes. Uh, Would you guys come alongside of him and um, pray for him as well, okay? So, Heavenly Father, we've prayed for many years um, Mm. for what you're doing here in Elizabethan. And as we have prayed, we have known that you are building your church. You promised to do so. You promised to build it up in love, and um, you'll provide for its needs, God. You will call people um, to serve in many different ways in your body. 
And so among that prayer, we um, see and recognize that you have appointed Cameron as um, our deacon, our first deacon. And so we just want to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for doing so. This is a testament of your faithfulness, your work in building your church, that the gates of hell cannot stand against. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you for him, that you have made him and gifted him with the abilities to do what you have called him to do, Father. And so we just pray now for him over his life, his family, his marriage, his children, that you will bless them, that you allow him to never tire of doing good and the things that you have called him to do, but just continue to give him an abundance of joy and faithfulness and desire to continue to serve you and your kingdom and your church. Um, and we just recognize all the things that you gift him to do, uh, we could not do without him. Um, and we would not be able to continue moving forward and doing the things that, that need to be done without him, Father. So we just thank you and just pray that you bless him, guide and direct him and his family, Lord God. Um, and just help him to continue to be the faithful man that you have made him to be. And so we, we love you, we thank you, we pray all these things in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay. Thank you, Cameron. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, Cameron, um, he's going to be building some teams. So just to mention, you know, to you all as a body, you know, what are some of the, the, the needs that are going to be there? So things like, you know, set up and tear down teams in the morning. We, we need help with that. You know, there's going to be a finance, you know, team that's going to be established. Um, he really needs a couple of people you know, to learn, you don't have to know it, but to learn the sound, you know, um, equipment and to, and to just know how to run, you know, the audio in the morning. So those are the teams that he's going to be building. That's kind of his first challenge is, hey, you do great work, but you can't do it alone. So go build teams. So just if you've got a heart for any of those things at all, you know, just put a, a bug in his ear and let him know. And it would be good maybe for you to go through a time um, with him to determine maybe if this might be what God's calling you to as well. Okay, so thank you, Cameron. Yeah, it's not just Cameron. It's the fact that Jesus is building his church. And Sam's going to you know, speak in a few moments uh, about our elder retreat and some of the things from our elder retreat. And I'm not going to like, you know, steal your, your thunder, but there was just one thing that came up in the elder retreat that overwhelmed us as we began to pray and we dis began to discuss. And it was just the people that God is bringing to this body. Um, we can go through and name each of you all by name. You know, just the diversity that's here and the different strengths and the gifts and abilities. And the Lord continues to bring people to us. Um, but there's just a quality that's there. There's people that are really hunger, hungry, you know, for the word of God and for gospel-centered living and people that will push us and challenge us in ways that we need to be pushed. So it's just exciting to see Jesus building his church. And on a Sunday morning that we get to actually acknowledge our first um, assigned or appointed, you know, deacon. That's a big deal. So thank you, Cameron, for all your work, but thank you, Jesus, you know, for all your work as well. Let's continue with our passage. Let's go back to um, chapter one. Of course, we're in chapter one, but let's look at verses three through six together. Okay, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always and in every prayer of mine for you are all, for you all making my uh, prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We're going to come back to those verses in a few minutes. So that's going to come into my next, my next point. Um, but right now I want you to focus on verse number six. In verse number six, and you hear me quote this almost every week, 
he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You hear his confidence there? He says, I am sure of this. I know that my confidence in God is so strong in who he is and what he's doing in building his church. I am sure that the one who began a work in you will bring it to completion. Now you can look at in you and you can actually decipher that a couple of different ways. You know, so one is the fact that he's talking to the church of Philippi. And, you know, and, and Paul is in prison, okay? He's in chains and he's got this joy and he's just, every time he remembers his people, he's just full of joy. And, and he says, to you as a church of Philippi, God has started a work in you and he's going to bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But he could also look at, you know, you know, Julie Armiger, you know, Shane Darling, you know, Pete Dorio, and he can say the same thing, fill your name in the blank. That there was a day, there was a moment in your life that you understood the gospel. You understood that you were sinful and that you were broken and that you were in need of a savior. And I don't know your situation. I don't know your story. I don't know how it was just unveiled. But there was a time in your life, or maybe it was just a season in your life, and it wasn't one specific moment. But you came to this conclusion that I need a Savior. And I want Him to be my Lord. And I confess my sins to Him. And Jesus came into your life at that point. And the power of the Holy Spirit became a permanent resident in your life. So Paul could also look at the church of Philippi and he can name specific people and say, I am confident of this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, Cameron Yarberry, he will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Just to let that settle in a little bit. And in my life, there have been seasons where I have sensed that God was completely silent. And I wondered where he was. There are other times in my life that after having come to faith in Christ, after confessing my sin and becoming a Jesus follower, man, I just fell flat on my face or just sinned in ways that I didn't think I was capable of sinning anymore. And I've seen the loving, tender mercy of God meet me right where I was at and extend the gospel back to me. It's a once and for all sacrifice. I don't have to die again. What took place on the cross, that covers even that sin, Jerry. If you'll confess your sin, I'm still faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and to purify you and forgive you, you know, uh, or cleanse you of all this unrighteousness because my righteousness has been imputed to you. And I'm like, wow, you know, just the faithfulness of God. And in looking at this passage, I would say the same to all of you all who are here this morning. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk. It doesn't matter if you're struggling right now. If you are a child of God, know this, that the, the father of fathers, the tender, loving 
Father that we have. He knows where you're at. He does not expect perfection of you because perfection died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But He receives you where you're at and He's going to continue to meet you and to meet your needs and to love you and to grow you and to show you more and more and more of who He is and who He wants to be in your life until you breathe your very last breath. That's our comfort. And that's our confidence that the God who began a good work in us He'll bring it to completion. And as I was thinking about that, I was even thinking about, you know, Camp Redstone. You know, you look at this past year and we, you know, we had our first little ones that were baptized. We had, you know, Colette and we had Maya, you know, and they were baptized at, at, at Redstone Church in Elizabeth and out in our parking lot. And there's this moment where they've confessed Jesus and then they say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus and they were baptized, and what the Lord is saying, you know, to them, I know that Colette's watching from home, and Maya's here somewhere, you know, what the Lord is saying is, I have started the work in you, and I'm going to continue it, and I'm going to stay with you, and I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you for the rest of your life. Do you see that? Let's just put our arms around that and just hold on to that, because that's our promise. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what struggles are there, God is with us. Praise God. Amen. God is with us. So that is our second truth. We can have confidence that God finishes what He starts. Let's continue. He's still working on me. Have you heard this song, by the way? I found myself as I was doing sermon preparation, I, I'm just going to sing it because that's the way I am. You want to sing it with me? He's still working on me. Do you know it? To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. That's a great song. I remember like being in middle school and the Hemp Pills are a Southern Gospel band and my dad loved Southern Gospel and I would sing this all the time. And as I was preparing this sermon this week, man, I was singing the Hemp Pills again. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It just took him a day to make the moon or a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. He's a faithful and patient and he is a loving God and he's still working on me as well. Okay, let's continue with our passage. We're going to go back and I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 and then we're going to go and we're going to read 7 through 11 and this is going to lead us to our third and our final truth for the day. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you. You can see the ones that I've put in red and that I've underlined. Just pay attention to these. Always, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. There's this partnership with these people in the gospel from the first day until now. It is right for me to feel this way about you. There's affection that's here because I hold you in my heart Church of Philippi, 
For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But you just look at the verbiage that's used here. Every time I pray, I remember you, and I'm so thankful. Every one of my prayers for you, there's this partnership that you and I have. We're connected because of the gospel, and there's a partnership, and this is the way I feel about you all. I hold you in my heart, and I yearn for you with affection. And then he presents it. And this is my prayer for you. So I don't just pray for you. You know, Adam, just pray, God bless Adam. No, specifically, here's how I'm praying, you know, that God would grow up Adam, you know, or, you know, Frankie or whomever. You know, I, I, I pray and you come to my mind and you're in my heart. And sometimes I just smile when I think of you because I love you. And, and, and I love the fact that God loves you and that he's working on you and that he began a good work in you and he's going to complete it. And here's how I pray that he would do so. These are my questions that I came to as I jumped into truth number three, which is Christianity is and will always be relational. It will always be relational. So here's the questions. Think about these, and I don't want you to give audible answers, please, but see what your answers are. Who do you thank God for and remember often? Who do you pray for by name regularly? Who would you consider to be your partners in the gospel? I'm just pulling these straight from the passage. What other believer do you truly hold in your heart? Who do you yearn, there's the key word, to spend time with? Who do you have love and affection for besides your family, of course? And it needs to be people besides your family. Who do you pray for that their love knowledge of God and spiritual discernment will grow and grow so that they will be blameless and filled with more of Jesus before he returns or their life ends. The question is, for all of us, do you and I have such individuals in our lives? You need to get an answer to this one because many of us would honestly say, I really don't. I really don't. And the truth of the matter is, I'm playing it safe. Christianity is relational. There is this connectedness that we choose to have with people because the Spirit of God unites us. In Jesus' high priestly prayer, he prays, Oh, Father, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. There's this desire from Jesus himself 
that the God who has always existed in community as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and with us being made in His image, Imago Dei, right? That we would bear His image by loving other people, praying for other people, caring for other people, reaching out to other people. And the truth of the matter is, it's a really scary thing to do. It's a really scary thing to rub shoulders with someone to the degree that they begin to know the real you. Why is that? Because we're afraid that they're not going to like us? We're afraid that they're not going to like what they see. We're we're afraid that there's stuff in our lives and our hearts that are going to come out and they're going to be disappointed in what they discover. It's all of that and more. We can play it safe by saying, this is my four, but no more. I got my wife and I got my two kids and we're tight and I love them and I pray for them. But beyond that, I just don't know that I can go there. We're missing out on the foundation of Christianity, which is the God who gave himself for us. He incarnated for us. Emmanuel, God with us, he he incarnated, he came and he tabernacled amongst us. He came into our midst and he let himself be known and he wanted to know others as well. He chose to do that because of his love and we choose to do that with others because of his love that has been inserted into our hearts, we choose to be relational as well. Christianity is and will always be relational. And listen, guys, I acknowledge that can be really, really scary. I'm not the same person as a believer and a relational believer as I was five years ago. I, six years ago. This church has changed that in me in a good way sometimes. You know, sometimes I can be a little too relational. You know, I just want to be around people and I just want to like rub shoulders and it's just, it's a part of my DNA now. And there's times and I have to look at a Sam as a brother elder, I confess sin to my brother. Man, here's where I'm struggling. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. But it's a great thing, you know, when the same brother can you know, confess his sin back to me. And when we can do that together, and when we can, as Scripture says, spur one another on to love and to good works. We encourage one another every day, Hebrew says, as long as it's called today. Well, how can you encourage people and spur people along when you're not even willing to get close enough to them? Christianity is relational. Always has been, and it always ha- it will be. So Sam and I were reminded of this uh, this week. We last, I mean, last Sunday was crazy. So we came in, and I am so glad to have that sermon out of the way. You know, last week because that was a little heavy. And then as soon as we left, we kind of got our ducks in a row, and then we took off when we had a membership meeting at the office. And as soon as the membership meeting was over, we jumped in Sam's car and we took off to Banner Elk. And we stayed in a little Airbnb together for a couple of days, and we opened up the Word of God, and we prayed. 
and we read and we prayed and we discussed and then we got in a car and we eventually made our way back home and we 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 you know of course because we're very similar we typed up all of the things that we saw that the lord was doing and we're not going to jump into all of those this morning but i did ask sam because it's very much tied to the passage that we happen to be in today maybe just hear a few words about elder retreat can you do that by because we, we do pretty well at just kind of bouncing off of each other too, okay so um, i know i do better that way my wife makes fun of me if i do like record videos by myself she's like you don't even blink um, speaking of which do you all remember if you were here the first no, video that, remembers. that sam remembers did where he didn't blink my name is sam adams i memorize a to... lot of stuff that was when i was telling everybody like hey by the way jerry's coming um, yeah there was a lot of a lot he of didn't blink the whole time seven minutes it was rough it took like 52 takes. So, but when Jerry and I do videos together, we do it in one take and I don't have to think about it. So it's much better when yeah, we do true. things together, right? Plurality. Um, so yeah, so we had a lot of fun last weekend. Who would have thought? Fun hanging out with Jerry Williams. No, we had a great time though in Banner Elk. It was cold. Neither of us were prepared. Nope. It was like 47 degrees most days. Um, Jerry only had one long sleeve shirt hmm. and a bunch of shorts. And I think I had one pair of jeans I wore every day, but that's okay. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we spent a lot of time just in the Word and in prayer. We, we kind of got through all the tasks that we wanted to do, but really the biggest component was just praying. We fasted, we prayed together, we prayed separately. Um, and it was just a great time to really see what God was doing. And so there, there were a few things that we really kind of grasped hold of, and you can feel free to jump in with any of those things. Um, so we started out just looking at the um, book of Revelation, the very first thing that we got there. And we looked at the, the letters to the churches, so the seven churches. And so Jesus is speaking to the churches. And we were looking at, okay, what is it the, thing that, the things that Jesus loves that he's encouraging in these churches? And what are the things that he hates and he's, and he's pointing out? Because we're like, we really want to be about the things he loves <laughs> and avoid the things he hates. I mean, obviously. And we, we can't do that perfectly in ourselves. And so we want to look at those and pray through those. And then um, in terms of scripture, a lot of the time we spent in CBR. So if you guys ever use CBR, it's community Bible reading plan. It's just kind of this daily thing. And so it, we were in First Thessalonians that week. And so there are some really great things that come out of that. And I'm just going to read a couple of those for you guys as well. Um, but it was just a great time. And for us, we, we left feeling really, really encouraged and kind of reinvigorated for this church and the people that he has called. Because we spent a lot of time reflecting on who has God brought and we're just able to say names and praise God for those things, or for you people. And yeah, we, we did. I mean, just to pause there, we would just kind of pull out our list and started, and I could insert every one of your names. And we, we just did with just tears and just joy. It was like, man, I love them. I'm so glad to be worshiping with them. And even the new ones, you were like, oh, you're talking about them. No, you too. You know, Dorios, you know, just, it's these new people that just showed up. And it's like, man, I love them. I can't wait to really get to know them. So that was a good moment for us. Yeah, and really the biggest thing that's so great with that is, as I said about Cameron, it just continues to show the Lord's faithfulness where he's building his church. You see that by the people that he brings uh, with different giftings to serve and to just do so many things. So that's why we're so encouraged by that. Um, but then we're just kind of looking at the, the scriptures in First Thessalonians and really seeing, okay, what is God even calling us to do and reminding us through that? Um, so a few things, similar to the book of Philippians, Paul tends to start his letters thanking God for the people. So he starts in verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 
Um, and so those are the things that we did while we were there. These are the things that we seek to do as often as we can. Mention you, each of you by name in our prayers and pray for you and thank God for you. And so we did that to even begin. Um, and we looked at other things. So there was a few words that kept really coming up in First Thessalonians. Um, so starting in chapter 3. Paul sent Timothy to, to this church. He says, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one may be moved by these afflictions. And that came up a couple of times. He speaks of being tender like a nursing mother, um, taking care of children. And he also says in chapter 1, speaking as a father, like a father with his children, we exhorted again, each one of you, and encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And so we really recognize those three words just kind of lashed out at us, and I know it did at me um, as well, to establish and exhort and, and to charge. And so those are things walking away like, these are things that we should be doing on a regular basis with our people, corporately in front, but even just one-on-one -on -one and in small groups. To establish, meaning kind of confirm you in your faith, to help you in your faith alongside of the Lord, because we cannot do these things on our own. To um, encourage you and exhort you, that's kind of what that means. And then also to charge. So we want to do those things. We want to encourage you guys in your faith and in where God has you and your walk with him. To, but we also want to charge you, right? We want to continue to push you by God's grace and through his word to encourage you to be active in your faith, to apply God's word um, to your life and all these different things. So those are the bigger things that jumped out at us. And then to really just another word over the weekend was humility. Hmm. Um, so for us to be reminded, man, we, we have nothing to do with anything that's going on. It's all God at work. And so we were seeking to humble ourselves before him, to, to confess sin, um, and just to pray for his guidance in leading among things. And so we, there's lots of details we went over. Those are not the important things right now. What we walked away with was being encouraged. Um, and then those three words to exhort, confirm, or establish, charge, right. and then charge. Add anything to those things? Um, not a lot. Um, yeah, just the the fact that we got to the end and we were had been so so tired stepping into that moment when we got out of it on the back end, we were just completely renewed, and it was this this Holy Spirit charge that the Lord had given to us, just being away for a couple of days, and we were like. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be a part of Redstone Elizabethan. And thank you for these very specific people that you brought into our lives. And if there is one thing, if you're taking this passage serious and you're like, okay, well, how can we pray for the elders in the church? How can we pray for Sam and for Jerry? Sam mentioned it a moment ago. Seriously, probably as much as anything else, pray that God would uh, teach us and that he would actually do the work of clothing us with humility. Humility was a huge word for us, clothing us with, with humility. Um, so we love you all. Christianity is relational. Um, yeah, and, and that passage in First Thessalonians, it very much coincides with what we're seeing here in the book of, of Philippians. So we thought, let's share that with you guys. Okay, thank you, Sam. We're, we're wrapping up here. So he ends um, the passage with, by saying this, he says, to the glory and the praise of God. To the glory and the praise of God. So when we look at these structures that we have in place, whether it be elders and deacons, you know, whether it be you know, learning how to establish relationships with one another and to speak into one, one another's lives, 
um, and, and, and encouraging one another. Hey, he started a work in you and he'll carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The purpose of all of that, God's work and his working in us and us establishing you know, deacons and elders, it's all for the glory and the praise of God. God's at work. He's at work in my life. But through this passage, I know that he's also at work in your life. He's at work in our church. And we should worship him and just um, praise him and thank him for that. Um, Chris Tomlin would say that he is truly a good, good father. And I thank God for him this morning. So thoughts on the beginning and completing his work in our lives on the relational you know, component, thoughts, pushback, concerns, just what's bouncing around in your head. Most days, probably not every time, not every Sunday, but most days we'll give you an opportunity to share it, and Sam has a microphone if you do want to share anything. Someone this morning? Jeremiah? And Nora? Just thinking about this concept of you know, building relationships with people in the church. It's, it takes time and it takes a lot of effort. And I was even just mentioning to Madeline last week, like you have to fight for community and you have to fight for brotherhood and sisterhood. And um, I think sometimes we live in a culture that's so quick and fast and microwavable and <laughs> just this idea of like everything happens overnight and that's just not reality and I think especially thinking about building you know trust building relationships with other people in the body is like you got to be in each other's lives and know people's hearts and know where they come from and know um, their story and so that does take mm. take time and effort and so all these things it's I think that's good to, to keep in mind because it's through the power of Christ, first of all, that we'll really have unity within the body, but also like it really does take take effort, you know, and, and a willingness to sacrifice and say, hey, I, I want to know about your life and I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you and um, just love you. Um, and that's think about the closest people in your life, they're probably people who've been there for multiple seasons, right? And the good and the bad and through your family growing and struggling and all these different things. And um, that's that's a beautiful thing about community. Um, yeah, but it's worth the fight. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Jer. Jer and Jer, we got Jer, Jer. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Who else wants to share? <laughs> then that's like, Jerry, no. No. Okay, Sunshine. Those um, people in, in my life, immediately I was like, oh, that's my community group. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then you said, well, we're going to get to talk or share or give feedback. And uh, I just kept thinking, like, the people in my community group, who I'm sure when I rub shoulders uh, with them, probably made them really uncomfortable. But, you know, like, it was uncomfortable, I think, for me. But that willingness to put yourself kind of like out there 
with people that you don't know and get to know them um, is kind of cool because you do find that like you like and if you don't like them you love them so <laughs> yeah I got that anyone else Nanette stood up should we make her talk yeah Madeline, you got your own microphone. Yeah, it's okay. Um, oh, they did it anyway. Um, I think something to remember, too, is I think it can be challenging for us because um, we want when we build close relationships and we build relationships with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, there's something within us that struggles to not want to lean too much on that person or put our hope in that person and not and for or those people and forget that people will fail us they'll disappoint us and we'll disappoint them and so that's why it's essential that we have Christ as our foundation and you know I think about when we're having these conversations with each other of confession and we're praying for each other and we're um walking alongside of each other in these things through um, our faith. If I just give Maddie away all the time to these people, it's not worth anything. Like, and I'm going to be exhausted and completely empty, but where is, our, where is that coming from? And so first, like, our relationship has to be with Christ and then an overflow of that into these relationships with one another. Um, and then give Jesus away, you know, that's foundational, it's essential, and um, it takes a whole lot of pressure off of me, you know, <laughs> and off of you um, if we give Christ away, because we know it's good, we know it's trustworthy, um, and he is that, um, but yeah, I think that's food for thought, mm. um, just recognizing our need for him in that, and um, Jesus was the most relational person on this earth, you know, and loving and caring. And, you know, he died for us. That's insane that someone would do that for you and me. Um, so he is the example to look to in that. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Maddie. Is there anyone else? Maybe one more. If not, we're going to close out our time of worship. you got three seconds if you do want to share. Okay. Hey, let me pray for us. Um, this book, Philippians, just reiterating what I've said, I encourage you before we step into our prayer time, dig in. It's so good. You remember, Paul's in prison as he writes this, and we'll see when we jump into chapter two, he doesn't know whether he will continue to live or whether he will die, but it does not have anything to do with the joy that's within him because Jesus has inserted this joy and he has given him relationships that Paul says go beyond my life on this earth. And, um, and that's a good thing. We need each other. We need each other. And it can be scary, but thank God that he was such a good example to us and he gives us the power to love one another well. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for um, what you're doing in this church. I do thank you that you're building your church. I thank you for Cameron Yarberry and what he has meant to this body. Um, Lord, you're doing a work in us. You have began, begun a good work um, 
at, at Redstone Church Elizabethan, and you started it a couple of years ago, and we had our first service on January the 12th of this past year, but you'll continue. You'll complete that which you have started, and our confidence is in you. Lord, open up our hearts that we might learn how to take a step of faith into deeper relationships with people, broken and fallen people that have the same struggles and questions that we do. Lord, maybe we be willing to commune with them and to love them and to laugh with them and to cry with them for the gospel's sake all of our days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.